Welcome back to Bike Race Weekly. I'm your host, Ryan Gerard, and I am here as always with my co-host, Rick Grunwald. Brian, how's it going? Good, good. And uh, people who are watching, you are obviously seeing that we've gone virtual. Uh, we're going to do the podcast uh, remote because uh, I am a new house, so I no longer live across the street. But it's a good time to transition this to uh, a, a better YouTube uh, space type thing. So yeah. we'll we'll probably do some more like podcasts in person too, and maybe do have like a way to set that up where we can do some recording. But Ryan currently just moved into his place. I am currently moving out of my place. So honestly, it's it's somewhat of a miracle that we're just sitting down to do this podcast. Uh, so once we actually get like a little bit settled, uh, we'll be doing a lot more in-person podcasts. Yeah. I kind of, I'll be honest. I kind of think it's cool with the aesthetic of having the, uh, the bike in the background and stuff. Oh, so no, it, it's a good aesthetic. Once I get my place set up, I'll have my own competing aesthetic and good, good. The viewers decide who's got the better, uh, the better background. And you can't even see, this is only like half the room. The other side of my desk here is like my training setup. So that's pretty, if, if I didn't ride outside before, like I'm, I'm done. Like it's beautiful in here. I love it. I love training in here. <laughs> You've even got a window. You've got a window right there. I got a what window. More, I'm in the basement. So it's, so it's always cold down here. Like hmm. that is such a difference where we are, you know, in the second floor of the apartment. And then my training studio was in the third floor. So it was always hot. Like even during the winter, it was always hot up there. It's always cold down here. So it's like perfect. I'm, I did a, like a pretty hard Zwift race today. And the place that I do it in, I have a buddy's, uh, he, it's a woodshed. He lets me do like my training in there because we currently live in, a, live in an apartment that I can't do it in. And it's the first time I did it when it was like above 70 degrees. And it's normally like kind of cooler in there, but it was like really hot today. And I thought I was going to like pass out from heat stroke. I had no fan, so no air circulation. And you know, you ever get to the point where you're so like either dehydrated that you get goosebumps on your arm. I was like getting to that point. So thankfully I haven't, it, I haven't been there. I have been like so hot before. Cause you know, going back to my old apartment, there was one time where Anna was sleeping because she works night, night shift at the hospital. Um, so I was training upstairs. I had, my new trainer but i couldn't use the fan because the fan is too loud for when anna's sleeping so i went no fan and it was so hot and i was just so covered in sweat that it like did the opposite where like the sweat actually cooled me because it was just like it, it you know it wasn't evaporating so it just stayed on me and i actually got felt cool because i got so hot I did really yeah. well that race too. There you go. Yeah. Well, there's something too. I've heard that, uh, like you're, uh, I've, I'm bad at re like remembering specific statistics, but something like your brain is supposed to be like two degrees cooler when you're sleeping versus when you're like awake and active. So there's actually something called a chili pad, which is like a pad you put on your bed and it's supposed to help drop your body temperature. So that you can fall asleep faster and stay in a deeper sleep, which is kind of, especially going into hot months. I don't know about you, but like if I'm super hot at night, uh, I just can't sleep. I roll around. Yeah, I can't either. Room. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm actually thinking about buying one of these because as we all know, sleep is the, the best thing you can do for recovering between training and racing and just 
you know, feeling good, the night of sleep will basically be. That's actually what something I want to talk about uh, today because oh, yeah. we're we're gonna get into the uh, the trainings of what we've been doing. My training has personally done like a full one eighty. Um, I went from doing a couple hours a week, you know, just studying for the CCNA. And now I've gone like full other way. Uh, I'm doing like 10, 11, 12 hours a week now, uh, running, biking, swimming. Um, and we'll get to this later, but we're, we're doing like a docu-series of, well, I'm doing the docu-series of the, uh, the process of that. And what it's like to try being at a higher level without being like pro while working 40 hours a week, still having obligations, uh, you know, all that because like it is a lot and I'm not planning on doing this, you know, year round or anything. I'm doing this to lead up to a race. So it's kind of like I want to try this just to lead up to a race then back off a bit because it is a lot like mentally, physically like across the board. Um, I'm lucky that I have the time now. Uh, we have the new house, so I'm not bothering Anna. Um, so it, it just works for my situation right now. But if, if it was different, like that would be tough. I don't know how people do it with like families and stuff. Like, you know, being not, not many obligations, like it is tough already. And one of the main things that I've learned is like sleep during doing this much like work is such like so critical especially because like i you know i work at 7 a.m i get up at 5 30 like if i'm not in bed by like 9 30 i know i'm gonna feel it the next day yeah i i think that it's not a another popular youtuber he did uh the vegan cyclist he did a train like a pro challenge and you're doing the train like an elite amateur train like you want to be where you're just yeah, where you're just putting in like a good amount of time, not a crazy amount of time, but it's a challenge still because you're stretching yourself. You're putting in more time without shifting obligations. And, you know, you obviously have like a busy life too. It's almost like, you know, when people do those challenges where they go like nuts, the hard part about it is the training itself and getting all that work done. And they kind of like shuffle their entire life to the side and they're like, I'm just going to like train and see how much I can do. And you're, you're almost going like, okay, I'm going to, challenge and train and see how much I can without moving any other obligations in my life and see like how I can fit it in, which I think is yeah. like almost honestly more interesting because, you know, like I think everybody's kind of been at the point where at some point where they just didn't have like a ton going on, but they were still training for something. And it's like so easy to just like add an hour here, add an hour there. And I mean, I've definitely been at a point where I, I could have done like 15 hours, even like 20 hours. But, you know, like I didn't have to shuffle that much stuff. It was just like work and family and that was it. But now, you know, you get older and it's like work gets more intense and more family obligations. And now like you got more friend obligations too. And it's like, dang, you know, like fitting 10 hours in is really hard. And I personally, I think I found over the last year, especially like with my work, just getting kind of crazy here over the last, you know, six months that just like acclimating to the mornings has been such a game changer just because no matter what happens during the day, it's not even working out in the mornings being some kind of special time to work out. It's just like, no matter what, if that's the first thing on your calendar, 
it comes before everything else. You can't like no excuses. You know, you just get up, you do it and then nothing can get in front of it during the day. So that's kind of like, see, I can't do that. I I don't know how, I don't know how people work out in the morning. It, it, It takes a while to get used to it. And also too, the thing about working out in the mornings is if you have a bad night of sleep, you can kind of like shuffle through the day and like wake up and then work out at the end of the day. Whereas if you're doing morning workouts, especially super early ones, you've got to like have a good night of sleep and then you got to like wake up and be like, all right, you're like, okay to go. Um, I feel like that's like the easiest thing to slip though, is like going to bed sure. on time. Even if like you're expecting to wake up early in the morning, I feel like the first thing that slides is like, you know, you try to get into bed at nine and then nine becomes nine thirty, nine thirty becomes ten, and all of a sudden you're going to bed at ten thirty, waking up at like four thirty, and you're like, I can't do this. Like I can't even function during the day. For sure. So yeah. that's like my biggest worry is like if I could like go to bed at nine and wake up at four thirty every day and work out and like feel great, like yeah, that be that would be ideal. But like for me at least, like I feel like that's not gonna happen. Yeah. So for this challenge, Art, what do you think is going to be your biggest week? Like, I think you should put a you should put a target on like you're going to increase your weekly hours. And yeah. Kind of walk walk that up, but like I want to hear like what is going to be like the pinnacle of your week? Like, what's the the you know it's, whatever whether it's like the week before or the like the the lead up to your half Ironman? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what is that? Yeah. So my my race is June twenty sixth. Uh, and so the, the week before, so I'm doing a recovery week, obviously, but the week before is actually like um, the end of that week is slightly tapered just so, and that's kind of to be like a, almost like a governor. So I don't do too much, you know, too late. Like it forces me to start the recovery, feel good for the race. Um, the last thing I want is to go through like this really hard block and then just be blown for the race like that that doesn't help at all like i might as well have just been doing eight nine hours a week you know there's there's no point uh so that the week before the recovery week the second half of that week starts to taper um i'm still doing like 10 and a half hours that week but uh i'm starting at like roughly 10 and a half i did like 10 and a half last week uh this week is close to like 11 and a half next week's like 11 45 like it's not like a huge difference week to week and it's really just adding a little bit more every week. So it's it's the consistency over the next like four or five weeks that's going to matter rather than, you know, trying to do some crazy month where I'm like, you know, going to blow myself apart. You know, I'm trying I'm trying to be smart about this because like I'm hoping that, you know, you put one big block in like this and it makes, you know, a huge difference, especially because. You know, the three weeks before this uh, kind of tapered off of training to focus on other things, you know, uh, CCNA to wedding and then moving into a house three weeks in a row like that, that really messed up with stuff. So. So, yeah, that, yeah. Like that that's what I'm trying to do is like and, you know, it's, it's a good experiment of like, how do you manage that? You know, uh, so far, I'm a week and a half in and I feel pretty good. Uh, I mean, I'm tired. You know, my legs are tired, but that that's why like I'm being really strict about sleep using the uh, massage gun every day. I use the massage gun for like 15 to 30 minutes every single day, um, getting food in properly 
uh, like the first week I gained six pounds in the first week. Oh my God. Yeah. What were um, you eating? Uh, I, I think so. It's a couple things. It's not like I just got really fat. It's not. <laughs> Uh, it's mostly because of water retention and glycogen, glycogen, glycogen. <laughs> that word. Glycogen, glycogen, the glycogen retention. All right, just put it in. <laughs> I think that what word is trying to say is glycogen. Glycogen uh... retention. Okay, I'm not going to pronounce enough, that again. Ryan. Close enough. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So you do, uh, but. You know, it's this is a shock to the system, and you know your body is not meant to train. You know, it's not meant to be in peak physical condition. When you start doing something like this to your body, kind of out of the blue, essentially, like it kind of goes into like a survival mode. You know, it stores it stores energy sources, it stores water, and it's going to you know protect itself in a way. So it's kind of working around that natural progression so i was eating like carbs everything you know and that's where the six pounds came from was from the water retention and like now i'm gonna say it uh from like all of the carbs and stuff because i was just you know i was just hungry constantly like i could i was never not hungry i was just eating anything and everything um so i was looking it up today you know the the trick is is to is high protein you want to eat protein for most of your meals. Um, and then, you know, carbs and sugars during and after exercise. So it's it's all about giving your body what it needs at the proper times. And it kind of combats that. Uh, what, what blows away me now is, you know, uh, last weekend was the first really big Ironman race, uh, Ironman Tulsa. A guy by the name Patrick Langa. Uh, one, he's a two-time Kona champion. Uh, the the dude's a freak. That's that's really all he is. Is he's he's just a freak. He blew away the pro field. Like he is the pro among pros. And the dude's like five eight, one hundred forty pounds. You know, and he puts he keeps up with the biggest guys on the bike. He keep he's in the first pack of the swim. And he does like a sub six minute mile for a marathon. Like the dudes, the dudes insane. And like, it it just amazes me that like, you know, week in and week out, he can do these huge weeks and like, he just maintain, he's able to maintain such a, like a small frame. Like it's crazy. Like just, just the small amount that I've been doing, like I I'm just like, I'm constantly hungry. And I'm like, how do I not feel hungry? Well, I think, I think there's like a couple things going on there. I, I have two thoughts. Like I think for any kind of like training, as you start to notch up the hours, you've got to naturally just pull back on some of that intensity. Um, that just because, you know, like you can't do, like if you're training, you know, the way that you're training for a six hour week, if you just try to like multiply the work and the intervals and the duration, everything at once, like you're just going to, that's how people get sick and they don't end up like progressing because they just they grind themselves into the ground but you know if you look at a lot of these athletes like they still do the work they do the intervals they do their sessions that are key but then everything else on top of that they just layer in like these nice steady low intensity hours so i think that would be really interesting for you is that like once you start to feel like 
you're getting a kind of a hole in the training is like you're not adding any more intervals at this point you're just kind of like adding that time at like a nice base to like push that aerobic system without drilling yourself into the ground and that's how you know like so i think it'll be interesting you know if you take what you're doing and then just kind of bookend that all that work with some hours right zone two hours and then, you know, you, I think you might be surprised that at the end of it, you can just see yourself slowly walking those hours up every single week. I think it'd be cool if you eventually, cause you're obviously doing a, um, a half man at the end of the year, so you should try to, uh, try to like walk your hours up steady, steadily enough. Try to, I think you should shoot for trying to do a 20 hour week. That would be One insane. Week. That would One be week. really hard. And you know, it it's not, hard. it's, it it's hard. not even the, uh, like if I was a single man living alone, maybe because it's like, what else are you going on? Well, you know, you're, you're still talking about like still having work, still having to get, you know, groceries, you know, um, getting gas for your car, like. If you're trying to do twenty hours, twenty hours a week, like how many hours a night is that? What if, and then that's like if you're if you're training, like you're, you're uh, dedicated. What, if you're sorry. Oh, sorry. Six, I was gonna say if you're training six days a week, I think that's like your your average training day is like around three hours. More than three hours, yeah. You'd have to do three hours and then two five hour days. So it's yeah. like you you know throwing cooking, you know, like it. Uh, so I no longer, I used to go home for lunch. I no longer go home for lunch. So I have to make, I have to make lunch too. So you, you got to think about like, you got to make all your meals. You got to do all the things to, you know, support yourself. Um, that's the stuff that digs into, into that time, you know, like. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, and you know, like, that's what I mean. Like, it would be interesting to see, like, if you could walk it up to that. Sure. Like, you know let's say you get to where you can do 10 weeks and like, okay, or 10 hour weeks. And it's like, all right, 10 hours is pretty good. And then you're like, okay, I'll do a 10 hour week and a 12 hour week. And then a 14 hour week. And then the next, all right, I'm going to do a 16 and 18 and a 20. And just that last block and be like, all right, can I actually get to that 20 hour week? And then once you're there, it's like, what does that feel like? Yeah. I don't think I'm going to do the, I don't think I'm going to do that. To be honest, I think I'm going to cap or it at like 12 hours. To 20. Go straight, to 20. go straight to 20 yeah i'll just start doing 20, 20 hours a week what That'd is one inc- week gonna do to you what is one week gonna do to you uh to be honest i don't i just don't think i could do it like i don't think i could sit down and do t- a 20 hour week uh oh, for a, a couple of reasons first off like that would blow me apart you know i would have to recover a long time for that uh because you know mainly like I would not have enough time to recover every day for that, you know, just with, you, you know, sure. throw in, you're, you're definitely not getting as much sleep as you should. Uh, you're definitely not recovering during the day, you know, if you're working all day and like by day two or three, you're just mentally destroyed. I'm just saying it'd be a fun experiment to try. Oh, that would not be a fun experiment. <laughs> Yeah, but it's crazy even to think how, like, professionals do it. You know, um, I, I feel like people think, you know, you could you just go out for a five-hour ride and you come home and your day is done. But, like, when you're when you're a professional, like, you, look, you watch everything. You know, you're not just riding five hours. You're riding five hours. Then you're doing a 30-minute stretch and core. 
then you're, you know, you're, you're tracking all the food that goes in and out of your body. You know, uh, you're seeing your coaches, you might be, you might be coaching, you know? So like, I, I feel like there's like at least four hours a day where like professionals are just doing stuff besides training, you know? And even, yeah, and even sure. that, you know, even for how much, how much time they have to train, um, I feel like they probably still struggle with it, especially those really big weeks. That is why they are elites and we are not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why they always talk about, you know, having the support is because like they got to have people to like help them out with all that. Cause if it was as easy as just like riding your bike, like, you know, everyone could do it. Anybody could. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it is, it is impressive that people, some people are able to do it uh, sometimes sustainably and sometimes a little bit unsustainably. Um, but yeah, I mean, some people though, they're, that's like, that's what they want to base their life around, which is sweet. It's cool. Got to give respect for that. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to be doing some documenting of, of this. Uh, I'll try to get the first one out this weekend. I have some time this weekend to do some editing. Uh, don't expect it to be, you know, spectacular or anything that being the first one, but, uh, I'm going to try my best. Uh, oh yeah. I, I just ordered the new GoPro too, to do some action footage and whatnot so hopefully hopefully yeah because anna and i went out for a run yesterday we tried getting some footage just with the gopro i had which has no stabilization and it we get back and i was like looking at the footage i was just like yeah this is awful you can't even use it just because it's like so bouncy it's so bouncy and the newest gopro um has really nice stabilization i was watching a video of like uh, a comparison of like the last GoPro and this GoPro and like the stabilization of like running and like this GoPro was like perfectly stable, like while running and the other one yeah. was like bouncing. So it's impressive. Uh, yeah. And you know, I figured I wanted to use GoPros more. Now I have a GoPro for the front and back cameras of for my bike. Um, yeah. So I'm pretty excited nice. about that. GoPros are cool. Heck yeah. GoPros are sweet. What about you? How's, how's the training going? Uh, how's toad looking? Um, you know, how have you been? It's good. Yeah. Um, still been doing just swift racing. I'm doing it a lot lately with, um, so and I are, are current, uh, so we've got like our whole apartment packed up and just had a lot of stuff going on. So I've done, de- I've definitely still been managing to get on the bike. Like I said, I've been doing a lot of swift racing. That's basically been my training because that's just what I've been enjoying. So I've been doing that this year. Um, and you know, like I've, I've been getting to a point where with Zwift racing that I almost feel like I've hit a plateau and in order to get over that plateau, you got to train anything. I need a new trainer. Oh, you need a new trainer. No, no fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I need a new trainer. Um, so no, I need a new, because like everything else has been going, like I feel like a lot stronger. I've seen, I don't really care or track my FTP or like specific power numbers, but I've seen a lot of those values go up. So I've been like, oh, that's sweet. But the one thing that's really been holding me back is a lot of those races end in sprints and it gets to the point where, you know, I just like, I'm so scared to go absolutely balls out and sprint on my trainer. It's a wheel driven trainer. So it's not direct drive. 
So it has a limitation on how much force and torque you can put through it. And a couple times I've like completely loosened the rear skewer and just like then like rocking on basically my, my stays on the back. So I'm like contemplating, even though it's about to be June, you know, one of the best months for riding, especially in Wisconsin, I'm like, Ooh, maybe I can go ahead and buy like a, a new trainer and uh, that'll help me with some Zwift racing. But I keep telling myself that I, I got to wait until next year. I can keep using my trainer because I got to start getting outside a little bit more. Um, like I said, I've been doing a lot of Zwift racing and that's been good. I feel like my power is good, but on my calendar, on my plan for the year, I'm doing a lot of criteriums. And the one thing I've noticed just from all that trainer riding, and I'm sure you can probably attest to this, is it does drop your cadence quite a bit. Um, just, you know, like on the trainer, I think outside, I normally do more like 95, 90 RPM. And on the trainer, it's been getting down to like 80. Because uh, for some reason, that just feels a lot more comfortable when you're just kind of grinding things out. Do you so calibrate think- your trainer every... So like with the wheel on trainers, you need to calibrate it every, every ride. Yeah, no, I, I do calibrate it every ride, but I, it just feels more natural on the trainer to do lower cadence and higher sure. torque. I don't know why that and is, but I have, I have a really low cadence outside too. So yeah, it, it, you've it, it doesn't matter. Kind of lower cadence. Yeah. You've always been having, you've always had a lower cadence, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I always yeah, thought it the, felt easier. Right. Now that some more criteriums are coming up, I'm going to go out, go outside. And I think I'm really going to transition into doing a lot more cadence work, doing a little bit more long rides just to kind of get some, some miles in at a lower intensity. And then also mixing in a lot of sprint work too. Cause like I said, I haven't been doing a lot of, a lot of sprinting because I've been on the trainer and trainer sprints are not real sprints. We all know that. Uh, so I really want to get outside and do some sprint work. Toad is coming up in a couple weeks. It's actually less than four weeks now. Uh, so I'm pretty stoked to, to do some days of Toad. Honestly, if I were you, I would keep doing the same thing. Um, and then only do outside rides to do sprint training. Stay, yeah. just stay the course, man. Stay I think because course. I mean, I, I've been kind of following your, your swifting and stuff. And to be honest, like your your power and like your racing ability is way better than it's ever been why why mess yeah, with it, it it's so it's such even a weird even thing. if you've plateaued like you're you're so close to toad that w- why even mess with it you know that's that's true that's a good point yeah i think the, my only i think you make a good point i'm for sure gonna keep doing like some more zwift racing and keep that in my program i've been doing like at least three sometimes days of Zwift racing a week. I think really the only thing that I'm going to tweak is getting out for like a longer ride every week. Sure. And within that longer ride, doing a ton of sprints, like working on high cadence sprints, low cadence, like, you know, standing starts, I like some more downhill faster sprints. There's, I mean, I, I think that's like, that. that's in my mind too, something that a lot of people, when I ride with them, they don't work on and they never think about is just like training your sprint. Some people, like, no matter how many sprints they do, they, they never improve their sprint. You, I was all about training sprinting. That I did well, so I was, much sprint training. I loved it. I, was actually, I, I thought that was the most beneficial thing I've ever done. I was actually going to say, though, you know, I think the last couple of years of road racing, it didn't seem like you ever really trained. You didn't train your sprint that much. You always just had, like, a really good sprint. You know, like I did a started, lot of sprint training, like, earlier on. Yeah, when we um, and then I would do, together, 
like leading up to toad i I always did quite a bit of sprint training um same thing with uh same thing like early like last year i did uh i always tried doing like one sprint workout a week Mm. uh or not last year the year before where i actually did you know crit racing um and that always helps just from the repeatability because like you said yeah like um I think I think indoor training you can only go up to a certain power level before you're better off doing it outside. You know the the re, the like the shorter uh, repeatable VO2 stuff is good for the indoor trainer, but like once you're talking about sprinting, you, that needs to be done outside. But yeah, hundred percent. And my favorite thing to do was um, going up a hill, and then on the other side of the hill gain speed and like once you right when you get to the bottom of that hill and use the momentum of the hill to do like race pace sprints so it trains you to sprint at 36 plus miles per hour and that's that's where it's different you know being in your biggest gear and powering through your biggest gear makes a big difference and so when you're actually in a race, because this actually got me a few times, was when you're actually in a race, your mind immediately, especially when you're tired, your mind immediately goes to the gear you trained in. And if you don't train in that race pace gear, you're going to go down to the gear or close to the gear you trained in and you probably spin out. That's actually happened to me. So just being comfortable at that race pace sprint makes a huge difference. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head with that. It's, I think the, the worst years that I had is I just, I would train sprints, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't like think about it enough where I would just go out and I would do sprints, but you really gotta like think about the type of ring, you know, if you're doing races that are uh, like super hilly and a lot of them are like hilltop finishes then you've got to train those like super low, low cadence, high torque, like sprints at the bottom of the hills. And yeah, if you're doing criteriums, especially flat criteriums that are going to end over 35 mile an hour, potentially, you've got to, like you said, you've got to hit some of those super high speed sprints and ha- just be like getting your legs used to moving that quickly at a big gear is something that you don't think about. It doesn't show up in training peaks. It doesn't show up in your, you know, your fitness chart. Um, but it's something that I think everybody can benefit from. And I think that's another thing too, you know, there's always like the big emphasis on going into an event, super fit and having like great fitness, like you looking at that performance manager chart and having a super, super good, uh, form number. Um, but you know, so few races end in just, you know, people riding away from the field and just time trialing their way to the win. You know, it, even if it's a one up sprint, you've got to still out sprint somebody. Like there's, I can't think of a, I can't think of a many races in my life where I didn't have to sprint at least one other person, whether it was like mountain biking, cyclocross, uh, road racing specifically, like the sprint, man, it's just something you always got to work on. Yeah. Then my other thing that I always like doing, um, watching those videos, like Ryan Aitchison's videos was always what I watched previously. And doing a hard workout while watching those videos because it puts you into that mindset of like you feel what that guy is feeling like when you are pinned and then it helps you visualize you being in that situation. 
So like while you are just pinned, you're watching him looking at the gaps, like figure out like if you were in his situation, where would you go or what would you do? And obviously Ryan Aitchison is like a great crit racer, you know? Um, and he, he always played it out really well. Um, and it's kind of like, would you do the, the same thing he did or like try to guess what he's going to do? And then when you're actually in the race, now that you are conditioned to make those moves in an actual race because you practiced it. It's going to be really interesting this year going up to the first couple of races because especially in our area, yeah, so few people have in the legs, you know, like that's some, a big part about racing is, you know, you have the big races, right. You know, they have, you have the races that are usually in the middle of the summer that it's uh, on everybody's calendar. They want to do well there. And everybody always thinks it's a good idea to do a couple of races leading up to those big events. Like I've definitely fallen into that train of thought where you want to have like some C races throughout the year to get your legs moving, to get that feel again, to like, you know, just reacclimate yourself with pack sprinting. So it's going to be really interesting kind of jumping into a race like toad where nobody, I would say that at least half of the field that lines up in most of the races, that will be their first race for the year. And yeah. have like, I mean, hopefully it goes smoothly, but I think the, the way you describe that workout where, where, you know, you're basically, you know, it's like a quarterback, right? Like what do, uh, what do the best athletes do in, in ball sports? They watch tape. So why would it be any different from a cyclist? You know, like go back and watch tape. If you have old GoPro videos too, that's even better. You can watch and see like where you either won or lost a race and see like, oh, if I would have gone this way, if I would have shot this gap, if I would have followed this wheel. And then you can kind of dissect that and, and keep it in your brain. And so the next time that you race, you can kind of look out for these things or have them, you know, like I said, kind of in the back of your mind, be like, oh, I got to remember to do like just to not sprint too early or not sprint too late, no matter, depending on what you're actually. Yeah. Doing. And a lot of it too is that, you know, you don't want to like in a way you don't want to think about it. Like it should be engraved in your mind to where when you are put into that situation, it should just be instinct. Like as soon as you see something, you should take it. You shouldn't have to second guess it or like even think about it. Like you just take it because you know, the mental process, you know, I don't think I shouldn't say, I don't think, uh, I, I think you, it can be done after a year like we had where it's you, a lot of people don't have the race experience right now. Um, honestly, part of the reason why I was okay with uh, missing toad this year, uh, kind of ma makes me a little bit nervous. Uh, sorry to say that Rick, I, you'll do fine. No, fair, fair enough. I mean, let me, let me tell you what my plan is, what my strategy is for toad is like, I'm, I'm in the same boat. Like I haven't done a road race now in almost, uh, two years. It will be, yeah, it'll be about two years since I've done a road race. So my thought is, okay, well, you know, I, this is obviously no matter how much tape I watch, I can have some thought about, you know, what I want to do and where I want to be, but I'm probably going to start the week by like, let's go into the last, let's go into the second to last corner first wheel. You know, that's not going to be the guy that gets taken out and crashed because I'm a yeah. little worried about that too. You know, it's like, and I think that's my general advice, not to anybody that I'm racing against because not everybody can be uh, first wheel into the second to last corner. But for anybody that's uh, not in my race that can use this advice, like 
be wary of everybody in the pack being like super um, hyped to race, but also very, um, you know, inexperienced in racing in the last two years. Right. So yeah. like the, I think the best thing you can do is dude, most courses, depending on how, how long the finishing straight is, your race should be over at the second to last corner. And then if you still have gas, you just keep pushing. But yeah. you know, I think that's always the, it's always the safest option, you know, lead it out. You might not win. You're probably not going to win, but that's a great way to guarantee a top 10. Yeah. That's a great way to guarantee that you're in the mix. And, you know, also too, I find that if you go in with that mindset where you jump at the last corner, a lot of the times there's a swarm moving up at the same time, you get two or three guys that beat you to it and they jump in front of you, your third wheel going mm -hmm. into the last corner, like what better not to be in. And actually with that strategy, that's something that I always noticed that you did really well when we're, when we were sprinting is you would almost, you would almost start to like sprint for that, like, you know, let's say second to last corner. And then you would just time it well enough that a couple guys would be coming up and you would either be the first wheel into the last corner or the, the top three wheels in the last corner. And only because you were just starting it kind of earlier than everybody. So worried about, you know, like hitting the front and being stuck out front and, you know, like uh, sucking wind and having to sprint really long. And they don't think about like, all right, it's not going to like magically open up for you you're probably not going to win by being in 10th wheel and you're probably going to get swallowed up and get pushed back to 15th or 20th. If you stay there too long, you've always got to be moving up. Yeah. I think, you know, with that, you know, my strategy, and I, I would say this works a little bit better in like three fours. Um, the, so two things you kind of pointed on is it works in three fours to, you know, people always say be the first one to the last corner uh, in three fours. You could probably, kind of extend that and say, be the first one to the second to last corner. Uh, that might do you better. Once you get up into the higher categories, the pace is much higher. Um, you're dealing with teams. Uh, in three fours, you're not doing that because if you go early, now someone else has to possibly t you know ruin their race to then bring the group up to you. And that's when everyone looks around at each other. Um, so if, if I was racing three fours this year, that's probably the strategy I would go with is, you know, that three quarters through the last lap attack like right there. Uh, and, you know, if people come with you, that's fine. You're at the front now. Uh, if not, just keep hammering it to the finish. You might not win, but you can get a pretty consistent result like that. Another thing, you know, uh, again, this works a little bit better in three fours than it does in the other categories. But, um, you know, that last like one or two laps, just like fight for the front. You know, it's OK if you're out in the wind for a couple seconds, like just do whatever you can to maintain like being up front. And it, it's going to be hard. You know, that that's kind of the thing that especially in the moment that I always talk myself through is like, it's, it, this is going to be really hard and it's going to really hurt. But yeah, I think that's everybody, best way to do it. Yeah. I was going to say, I think everybody sometimes thinks they, uh, they're like Bahati and they can mm -hmm. just like float to the front and not touch the wind and then pop out and just decimate everybody. It's like, there's, there's, there's Bahati and there's Bahati, you know, there's very few people, you know, the Williams are probably like that. 
um, you know, like some of the super good sprinters on the domestic scene are like that, where they don't, they're so good at positioning themselves and they're so good at like maneuvering through the top 10% of the field that they can, they can do that. But like anybody, I mean, this is including myself. Like I, I consider myself to have good bike handling skills, but I don't have the wherewithal to just magically appear uh, 25 feet before the, the line and pop out and win the sprint finish. Like you're better off going with the, uh, you're better off going with the ax when you're inexperienced than the scalpel. Like hit the front, suck some wind, stay close. Somebody's probably going to snake out and get that lucky, like sheltered sprint. But hey, they've got to be a pretty good sprinter to take advantage of it. That's, uh, I think that's all we're saying, right? Yeah. It, it's kind of making your own luck or, you know, hopefully, hopefully you win the lottery by being just so happen to be behind that one that just that does chase. You know, it, you, you got to be lucky if you're kind of waiting on other people to make a move for you. Yep. Yeah. Totally and that agree. I mean, and that comes with a lot of experience, you know, um, and especially after, you know, the past year where we didn't really have racing. So a lot, most people are going to be, you know, like you, they haven't raced in two years. So it, it who knows, honestly, like, it's going to be crazy. Like, it, it really is going to be crazy. Um, it, it my, crazy. If, if I were you, like, I would just chill, you know, let yeah, just I, I would I was honestly just chill in the back, get a nice little draft, not use any energy um let let other people fight it out because you know that there are going to be people that are super antsy and they're just going to hammer it at the front for the first 15 minutes and essentially take themselves out of the race um let those first 15 minutes go and then after those first 15 20 minutes then you know kind of start start working but yeah i i I would just chill you know it's it's thick boy summer and you know that means we're going to be tail gunning at the back hail gunning baby hey i think honestly like i think that's the best strategy especially like those first 15 minutes just make sure you know you're not behind people that are going to get dropped but um just chill out for the first 15 20 minutes let people get it out of their system that's really what it's going to be especially on the weekends the weekends are going to be crazy when you know the fields are probably going to be filled i would assume they're filled they gotta be yeah they're going to be full fields you know it is yeah i mean and that's like all these events are starting to sell out so like I mean, that's a good reminder. I got to register um, before anything sells out. But, but yeah, I mean, that uh, dropped some good knowledge on, on how, to, how to crit after a pandemic and how to crit when nobody's been racing. So hopefully that anybody can take that to the bank. And if not win a race, not be involved in a crash. There you that's, go. Uh, that's goal number one, baby. Um, all right, man. Well, I think with that, we're probably ready to wrap it up. Yeah, Ryan, is great. Anything else you want to talk um, about before we uh, wrap it up? I might be debuting on Zwift again. Uh, I might Let's be racing go. on Thursday, depending on how I'm feeling. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I might do it. I, I think it'll be a good uh, like race pace thing. I you know at this point in my training, I I want to get some race pace in. Uh, I'm doing that with swimming and running already. So you know. I want to get some race race kind of stuff in for biking too. Hey, it's it's almost June and I'm still not riding outside. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's love to hear. It love to see you back on Zwift. Uh, you know, if there's any yeah. listeners too, we we have an army of two, a small uh, Zwift team. It is a uh, beer league bike racing. If anybody would like to join, you know, everybody and anybody's welcome. 
Um, and yeah, ride with us and race with us and yeah. hang out. So, so uh, look out for the yeah, little docu series I'm going to do, uh, try to do on a weekly basis. It might, it may not be great at first. Um, I'm thinking of calling it uh, train like you want to be uh, something like that. So look at, look out for that comment. I'm hoping to get it out by Sunday, but I'm excited for that. Heck yeah. That's going to be awesome to see for sure. All right. Anything else, Rick? Cool, man. Well, no, that's pretty much it for me. I was just going to say everybody can your favorite socials at bike race weekly, meet at us, send us a DM, send us an email. Uh, if you want us to talk about anything, if there's a topic on your mind, love to hear it. And uh, yeah, until next time, thanks for listening. Okay. Okay.